Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. What are the consequences if the Book of Mormon is true and you die not believing that? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. There have been a lot of statements made by various leaders of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints regarding the authenticity and importance regarding the validity of the Book of Mormon. Mormon Apostle Orson Pratt, who lived in the 19th century, wrote a pamphlet titled Divine Authenticity of the Book of Mormon. It was published in Liverpool, England in 1850. Now, Orson Pratt was a very outspoken and influential leader of the church in the 19th century, even though he had his disagreements with the second president of the church, Brigham Young. But he certainly was a staunch defender of both plural marriage and the Book of Mormon. In this pamphlet, titled Divine Authenticity of the Book of Mormon, he said this, This book must be either true or false. If true, it is one of the most important messages ever sent from God to man, affecting both the temporal and eternal interests of every people under heaven to the same extent and in the same degree that the message of Noah affected the inhabitants of the old world. Now, that's quite a statement, is it not, Eric? I mean, Noah's message to the world was, a flood is coming. You either listen to what I'm saying, or you are definitely going to perish. Now, of course, in that context, the perishing was the physical perishing, not so much talking about a spiritual death, but I think Orson Pratt is certainly implying a spiritual death, because he goes on to say this, if false, it is one of the most cunning, wicked, bold, deep-laid impositions ever palmed upon the world, calculated to deceive and ruin millions who will sincerely receive it as the word of God and will suppose themselves securely built upon the rock of truth until they are plunged with their families into hopeless despair." Pratt goes on to say, the nature of the message in the Book of Mormon is such that if true, no one can possibly be saved and reject it. If false, no one can possibly be saved and receive it. Bill, I want to just point out there are some people who just heard that quote and might not believe what they just heard. You can find this in Bill's book, in their own words, on page 64 in the section titled The Book of Mormon. But I think that is a very powerful quote. It's either true or false, but the way that he describes it, if it be false, the most cunning, wicked, bold, deep-laid impositions ever palmed upon the world, and as critics of the Book of Mormon, we don't believe as evangelical Christians the Book of Mormon is true, uh, we side with that. Well, let's think about that statement, because I think that statement right there 
gives a good reason for why we do what we do. We do not believe that the Book of Mormon is true. I do personally believe, though I probably have never used words like Orson Pratt's to describe my feelings, but I will agree, it is, in my opinion, one of the most cunning, wicked, bold, deep-laid impositions ever palmed upon the world. And I do believe because of that, as he says, it is calculated to deceive and ruin millions who will sincerely receive it as the Word of God. Now, I don't look at the context of the Book of Mormon itself really being, I guess you could say, all that dangerous, because even Latter-day Saint scholars admit that when you read the Book of Mormon, it does sound like it has a lot of Protestant ideas in it, which would make sense if Joseph Smith is behind it. You have to understand the background of how this book came about. Joseph Smith did not have any formal religious education, and he is putting into words things that I believe he personally believed at the time. That is why we see later on in Joseph Smith's life a huge course correction, a huge theological course correction, where he starts teaching things that actually go against what he had written earlier. Now, you can have a number of reasons why you might think that is, and we've talked about a lot of those reasons many times on this show, but the fact remains, I don't think you're going to notice a lot of huge red flags when you read the Book of Mormon, unless, of course, you're pretty astute in Christian theology. I think a lot of these things would go right over many people's heads and possibly are going over people's heads when they read the Book of Mormon or just trying to get through it quickly before the missionaries come back to ask them, well, what did you think when we left you this book a week ago? If nothing else, though, Bill, I think the Book of Mormon is a distraction for Latter-day Saints. If you ask them, well, what are you doing in your devotional life right now? I have found, Bill, more Latter-day Saints who spend 10 times more time reading this book many things they probably don't even quite understand because it is a hard book to read. It's very dry. It's, it's hard to follow, but more than the Bible. So what this book is doing, distracting people from reading God's true word. Well, let me get back to what I said earlier, Eric, because I don't want somebody to misunderstand what I'm saying. Even though I don't see the Book of Mormon as teaching a lot of outright blatant heresy on every single page. Certainly there's heresy in it, and certainly there's false doctrine in it. I'm not saying that there isn't. But I think what makes the Book of Mormon dangerous is because when a person accepts the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God, let's say they've prayed according to Moroni 10.4, if you got to have a sincere heart with real intent, having faith in Christ, and the Holy Spirit will manifest the truthfulness of it unto you. What happens then? They don't just embrace the Book of Mormon. They embrace the whole package. Exactly. The whole package is the church. The whole package are the later teachings of Joseph Smith. The whole package includes many of the things Brigham Young taught or John Taylor taught or Wilford Woodruff taught or including what, let's say, Thomas S. Monson taught or Russell M. Nelson taught, Gordon B. Hinckley. So you have to accept the whole package. Now, certainly there's a context for all that, but it's not just the Book of Mormon. Nobody just says to themselves, I'm just going to read the Book of Mormon. If I feel it's true, I'm just going to embrace what it says and throw the rest of what the missionaries are trying to, trying to tell them to embrace away. 
that just doesn't happen. The Book of Mormon is the common denominator between all of the splinter groups of Mormonism and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, because your splinter groups are going to oftentimes reject the Doctrine and Covenants, for instance. They're not going to accept the same Doctrine and Covenants that the, the LDS Church puts out. But when it comes to, I think, every single one, Community of Christ all the way down, the Book of Mormon is accepted as that scripture. So if it's not a true scripture, all of these religions are following a fictional book. And I think what you said is something we might need to explain to our listeners who are not aware of the fact that there are a number of these splinter groups in existence. There have been many throughout LDS history. After Joseph Smith died, for instance, a number of people split off and formed their own little groups. See, most of the time, the missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints give you the impression that they're the only ones that, let's say, believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet or believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God. There are a number of groups out there that, of course, the LDS people would say are also false because they believe they are the only true church, and that's the one that God was talking about in the Doctrine and Covenants when he tells Joseph Smith that this is the church in which he is pleased. Of course, that was allegedly said before all these splinter groups were ever formed, but there were a lot of people who sincerely followed Joseph Smith in the early years who later came to the conclusion that he was, in fact, a false prophet, and even though they believed the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God, did not want to follow Joseph Smith any longer. But the point remains that this book becomes a very important focal point to the, either the truthfulness or the fallacy of Mormonism itself. Uh, we had talked about this on previous shows regarding the seven top uh, populated splinter groups of the LDS Church movement. And you can go to our website, mrm.org slash splinter groups with a hyphen between splinter and groups, mrm.org slash splinter groups to find out about the seven largest ones. We have individual articles on each of those seven groups. Now, you might say, well, that was Orson Pratt. He, he was back in the 19th century. Certainly the LDS leaders don't take it this seriously today. Well, that's not exactly true. When you take, for instance, a statement made by a currently serving Mormon apostle, Jeffrey R. Holland, this was in his book, Christ and the New Covenant. These points were also reprinted in the Ensign Magazine, which was the monthly magazine for adult readers in the LDS Church. It was an article titled, The Book of Mormon, The Heart of Missionary Proselyting, and that came out in September of 2002. And you can find this quote on page 14. What did Holland say? To consider that everything of saving significance in the Church stands or falls on the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon, and by implication the Prophet Joseph Smith's account of how it came forth, is as sobering as it is true. It is a sudden-death proposition. Either the Book of Mormon is what the Prophet Joseph said it is, or this Church and its founder are false. A deception from the first instance onward. He goes on and says, Joseph Smith must be accepted either as a prophet of God or else as a charlatan of the first order. But no one should tolerate any ludicrous, even laughable middle ground about the wonderful contours of a young boy's imagination or his remarkable facility for turning a literary phrase. That is an unacceptable position to take morally, literally, historically, or theologically. Notice what Holland is asking us to do. We have to not only 
embrace the theological quote-unquote truths that Latter-day Saints believe are found in the Book of Mormon, but we also have to take into account what Joseph Smith said as far as how the book came about, because that becomes also very important, and that's the issue that I have. I often will ask Latter-day Saints, convince me, first of all, as to how this book came about. Let's go back to, for instance, the gold plates issue. And if there's problems in that story, then I don't need to go any further. And I know I've had a lot of Latter-day Saints tell me, well, you just have to pray according to Moroni 10.4 and what I mentioned earlier about praying with a sincere heart and with real intent. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. If the origins of how this book came about are not true, there is no Moroni 10.4. There's no reason for me to pray this because you can't establish the fact that there even was a Moroni. Because if the book itself is not true, then anything about Moroni can't be true. So why would I want to pray this alleged prayer? Well, in tomorrow's show, we're going to continue looking at some of the statements that have been made for the Book of Mormon and why the Book of Mormon is so important to the Latter-day Saint. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. We hope you've enjoyed today's edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. But did you know you can also listen to past broadcasts at your convenience? Simply go to Mormonism Research Ministries website at mrm.org. Again, that's mrm.org and scroll down to the box that says listen to the podcast. Click here and you'll find links to past shows that cover a number of pertinent subjects. Feel free to download the shows to your favorite listening device. And by all means, please share them with your friends. Once again, that's mrm.org.